We are starting a new series this morning called Family Matters, and if you've been with us for a while, you will remember that we did Family Matters maybe a couple years ago, and now we're starting Family Matters 2 because we just we couldn't, uh, we couldn't have nearly covered it all in that one series, and so we've got a lot to cover this morning. Um, and I, I'm going to encourage you with this each week. If you have children in particular... Um, I, I, I can't tell you and emphasize strongly enough how, how much you need to be here over the next several weeks. And if you, if you have to miss for some reason, please catch up online because this is probably one of the most important sermon series that you're ever going to hear concerning children, concerning raising children. And then also if you're married, it's going to apply there. And even if you're not, it's going to apply there too because anytime we look at the Word, it's gonna, things are going to come out that we all need that apply to us. Amen. Um, let me also say this, that, uh, there are, pro- I don't know, cause I don't know every person in here, but there's probably people that are going to be offended by what I say. Uh, I, I hope not, but just so you know, I can't worry about that too much because what we're going to say is, is truth. And if truth offends us, then the problem's on our end, right? It's not, uh, you know, and some people say, well, you, I don't think you should say that. Well, I'm really saying what the Bible says, and so if you don't like it, then you have a problem with God, not, not with me. And that's part of the problem in our nation right now. That's actually a big part of the problem in our nation right now are things that are needing to be said or not getting said. And you even have, it's, it's, it's creeping into almost every area where people are afraid to say what is just blatantly obvious right in front of them. People are afraid to say what actually maybe the majority are thinking, which is, this is crazy. <laughs> but people are afraid to say it. Even in the medical field, uh, you know, people are afraid to say certain things if it relates to gay, transgender, homosexuality. In the counseling and professional therapy, there are things that are not being said that should be being said if you cared about the patient and you cared about what was best for their life and you care about actually helping people, there are things that should be being said that are not being said because people are afraid of losing their license, they're afraid of being ostracized, and those types of things. How many of you know that we can't afford to do that in the church? And the reason the nation is in the shape that it's in currently, and it's not going in a good direction, and this is not a political statement, this, is, this transcends many uh, presidents and uh, decades. And when I'm talking about the nation not being in a good place, it's really not about politics. It has more to do with moral status and moral character, and the moral fabric of our nation is not going in a good direction. I'm going to show you that from statistics in just a moment. And the reason why that's happening is the church's fault. And by it being the church's fault, it, it follows that it's the pastor's fault. Because the shape of the church will determine the future and the shape of the nation. And some people didn't realize the church was that important, but it is. Because when the church is healthy and doing its job, how many of you believe that God knew what he was doing when he left the church on this earth? He said, I will build the church. He said, I'm the head of the church. I'll build the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Anywhere you see a strong church that is following Christ, 
that hasn't got absorbed or worked up into the culture or started worrying and following the things that the culture cares about, but instead they're following God, they're following the Bible, that's all they care about. They're not busy trying to grow a church. I know that that seems counterintuitive, but we actually don't try to grow the church here. That, that's not even a concern of growing the church. You know why? Because I believe that when we follow God and we please God, that the church may or may not grow as a result of that. Did you know that every time uh, the church has followed God, it did not lead to the growth of a church? No, because sometimes in preaching the truth and in following God, it makes a lot of people upset or mad, and they don't want to go that direction. The only way the church grows is if when the, the truth is preached, people hear it, they repent, and they are changed. But there have been times throughout, and we might be in one now, in the nation where truth did not lead to repentance. And when the truth is preached, it doesn't always lead to people just repenting by the droves. Sometimes the number of people that are repenting are very small. So whenever the nation is unhealthy, it's because, or by and large, I mean, it'd be maybe oversimplistic to say it's this one thing, but by and large, when the nation is unhealthy, it's because the church is unhealthy and the church hasn't been doing its job preaching truth. When you preach watered-down gospel, watered-down truth. Don't want to step on anybody's toes. Don't want to offend anybody. Don't want to ruffle any feathers. When the church does that, which, by the way, Jesus never did that. Jesus was very offensive in what he taught. Paul the apostle was very offensive in what he taught. But when the church does that, what you do is you, you, just, you preach this mediocre, watered-down version of the gospel, and guess what? That can't change anyone. That's why Paul said this. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation. Listen, the, the gospel of Christ in its fullness and in its robustness, unedited, okay, unedited, unfiltered, is the power of God for salvation. Not some watered-down version that we're eliminating parts and taking out parts and skipping over parts because we don't want to offend people. Listen, that doesn't change anyone. That leads to a whole group of people that are lukewarm and not following God, and therefore you see the state of the nation. Because at any given time in our nation, if you ask people, uh, are you a Christian? I mean, it, it goes down every year. Currently, it's going down every year. But still, the vast majority say, yeah, we're Christians. Well, if, if the vast majority of people in this nation are Christians and the nation looks the way that it does, we have a major disconnect. Major disconnect. And if those people who are calling themselves Christians are sitting in churches every week and holding these false beliefs, these sinful, heretical beliefs, and they're not being challenged on that at all, and they're never hearing truth, that's a problem. And that's why the nation continues going the direction that it's, that it's going. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Um, I'm going to lay the foundation of kind of where we're at as parents and families in this nation in 2022, like the things that we're facing and where we're going, it's going to be maybe a little bit depressing as we kind of diagnose and look at the problems and where we're at. But I, this is my promise to you is that from starting next week, it's going to be all solutions. Okay? There'll be some solutions this week. But first, we're just diagnosing and looking at the problem and where it's at and where we're at, kind of opening our eyes to the reality of our situation. After that, I'm going to assume that you're on my team. I'm going to assume that you think like me and you agree there's a problem and now what are the solutions? Okay, I'm not going to be trying to convince you of that all sermon series. 
starting next week, we're actually going to begin looking at the eight essential milestones that every child needs to have by the time they leave your house. And we're going to cover a couple each week and how to make sure that your children are hitting these, these marks. It's very, very important. So can we agree, can we start by agreeing this morning that this world has no idea what they are doing when it comes to family? I mean, I've never, I've never seen a more botched up version of the family, and every bit of it comes from not following God's law and following God's way. We have royally messed up the family by abandoning God and abandoning His word. We've said things that were totally opposite of what God said about marriage, what marriage is, about divorce, about sexuality, about gender. We've said the opposite of everything that God says, and boy, is it showing. The fabric of our society is ripping apart because the family is the foundation of any nation. God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing, and Satan knows what he's doing. And by trying to destroy the family, he is destroying our nation, and our families are falling apart. But let me, let me this is the part where See, I'm going to really have to remind myself multiple times in this sermon just to cool the temperature down just a little bit because it, just slow, it will probably slowly rise. I'll go from like talking to you normal to almost yelling. Like if I start yelling, just raise your hand, wave at me. Okay, oh yeah, I got to bring it back down a little bit because it just gets to me. And one of the things that gets to me is not how the world thinks. That's expected. If you don't know God, you don't have the knowledge of God, that's expected. What what blows my mind is when I see believers who have the truth, have the word of God, and they begin to align themselves with the world on every topic and every situation. Wow, you think just like the world when you have the truth of God's word right in your hands. That's the part that gets to me. And as a pastor, even in this, I'll call amazing church, I hear things come out of people's mouth that I go, that is you, got, you did not get that from the Word of God. You got that straight from your culture. That's why I want to start here and go, can we just agree that the culture is clueless? Can we just please, as Christians, can we please come to this place where we understand that the culture has no idea what they are doing? You want to talk about the blind leading the blind? Is our culture. They have no clue what they are doing when it comes to marriage, raising children, sexuality, gender, all of these hot topics that go on today, they are totally clueless. And by the way, whatever they say today, 10 years later, it'll be something totally different. That's why we're having to constantly redefine words, redefine what is, what is you know, good for a person, what's not. We constantly change it over and over. I mean, right now you have medical professionals, medical doctors, you have people in high positions of political power promoting transgenderism promoting it. Not just like, oh, it's tolerated, it's acceptable type thing. If that's you, what you want to do, it's not good for you, but if that's what you want to do, you can't. No, not that. Like, promoting it. It's, well, th- that's dishonest. I mean, you have people lying straight to your face about what's good for you. So why would we follow that? So just, let's just start there, please. As a Christian people, can we please just acknowledge the world's clueless, 
They do not have the answer. If you follow that way, you're going to get the same results that they're getting. Maybe, just maybe, God knows what he's talking about. Maybe the answer is in God's word. And if we do it God's way, maybe we'll get a whole different set of results. So let's look at some of this. Okay, just in case you didn't believe me or in case you haven't had your eyes open for a few years, let me just give you some of these statistics. Okay, the current divorce rate in the nation, everybody's known this for a long time, between 45 and 50%. That number fluctuates. So marriages are not working, by and large. Every now and then you'll get a, a, a false statistic that says, oh, well, it's the same in the church. Well, it's not the same in the church. Here's, when, when you hear that statistic and people say, oh, well, the divorce rate's 50% in the church as well. No, it's not. The, that statistic comes from asking the nation, are you a Christian? Well, how many of you know that's not enough to know if you're a Christian or not? If you just ask someone on a survey, are you a Christian? And they say, oh, yeah. And then the next question is, have you ever been divorced? You're going to get some pretty skewed results. No, you, don't, you can't find actual people that are following God, going to church, reading their Bible, praying. No, the divorce rate is actually about cut in half of that. It ain't perfect. I wish I could say it was 100%, you know, no divorce. It's not, it's, but it's about half of the other. Okay, let's talk about this. LGBTQ, you know, keep adding letters. I've lost count of them. I'm not adding any more, all right? I'm only just LGBTQ. I'm stopping there. Used to didn't even have Q, but now I, I'm stopping there. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say it. Okay. Let me just tell you about the situation that we're in, okay? Less, uh, <clears throat> we've, through the generations, this is what's happening to our nation. Through the generations... The traditionalist generation, which would today be 77 years old or older, less than 1% identified as LGBTQ. Next generation, baby boomers, that's 58 and older. How many baby boomers we got in here? Just by a quick show of hands. 58 and older, 58 and older. All right, doing good. How many traditionalists we got in here? Not many. All right. Less than 3% of baby boomers identify as LGBTQ. So it went from 1% to 3%. Generation X, that's right around my generation. That's 42 or older. 4.2% identify as LGBTQ. So that we went over the span of almost 30 years, we went from 1% to 3% to 4.2%. I don't care to see any increase or growth, but that's not actually that bad. Then something amazing happened with the next generation, the millennial generation. That is, if you're 26, uh, excuse me, yeah, if you're 26 to 41, that is the millennial generation, 26 to 41, 10.5% identify as LGBTQ. So we went, over 30 years, we went from 1% to 3% to 4%, then something amazing happened. We went to 10% of, L of millennials that identify as LGBTQ. The next generation, Generation Z, which is 18 to 25, it doubled again to 21%. Now, you're telling me, you don't even have to be a Christian to understand this and see what's going on. You're telling me one in five human beings are LGBTQ. And actually, that's a Gallup poll and a Barna 
poll was much higher because they asked the question in a different way. I tend to believe it's about 21% or about that 20% mark. But Barna actually found that it was much higher than that. So we're just getting goofy. <laughs> I mean, this ain't, this ain't even about the Bible. This ain't about, we're just getting goofy. 20% of people identify that. It's just, it's just becoming a fad. It's, just become, it's something that's being pushed so hard. And there's such a lack of truth. There's such a lack of reality being presented. No one is allowed to say, hey, man, uh, maybe, you, you, maybe you have these tendencies and you like them. That don't mean you're gay. Maybe you're just on this, you know, maybe you're still a man, <laughs> but you just like to dance and play music and whatever else and draw and art. Oh, fine. That doesn't mean you're gay. Okay, does somebody need to say that to their kids? I mean, every now and then, would it be healthy to have those kind of conversations? No, but they're hearing this all the time. It's being shoved down their throat. No one's allowed to say. No one's allowed to question. No one's allowed to bring an alternative. And the biggest mistake we can make as believers is shutting our mouth when it comes to this. I'm not shutting mine. And it might... You know, who knows where that can go or lead because our nation is going a certain direction. We may not have the freedoms to say everything that we want to say, you know, or need to say. But, as, but through whatever avenue we do have, we're going to say it. <laughs> amen? Okay, I got a few amens this morning. All right. It's getting goofy. That's what I was saying. It's getting goofy. Now... You sh- and, and this was so funny. You could get on YouTube and you could find these things. Now you got people identifying as transracial. Transracial. Yeah, I identify as being black. I identify as being Korean. But, and, then, and then the people that were pushing transgender got mad about it. I'm like, they used your logic. What did you think was going to happen? Soon we have people identifying as teddy bears. And puppy dogs and whoever else. And guess what? Don't say a word about it because you open the door for this. Not Christians. I'm talking about the people. That logic. Don't say one word about it because this is exactly where your logic leads. But don't say nothing about it if a person wants to be transracial. Don't say nothing if somebody wants to identify as the president of the United States and they've been homeless for the last 20 years. Don't say a word about it because this is where it goes and this is where it leads. Why? Because the world is clueless. Do I need to tell you that again? It's where deception leads. When you deny God and you deny truth and you ignore truth, you become immune to facts. You become immune to reality. And so before you know it, uh, you got a kid that wants to be a parrot or he wants to identify as his, as his, as his pet. And you got transracial people, you got transgender, and you got 20% of people think they're LGBTQ. Listen, the world is going crazy. I don't have to tell you that. But I want you to understand that if you're not careful, your children and your family will unintentionally be absorbed into that. And that's what I want to talk to you about over the next few weeks is I, as a pastor, I have not seen many parents that have adapted to what's been going on around them. And you can see it's happening rapidly. Like before, as I said, with this stuff you had, okay, 1%, 3%, 4%, it's very small, it's very little. When you see jumps like from 5 to 10%, that's, that's the entire U.S. population of that generation doubling 
in their views, and then the very next generation, it doubles again. You're talking about a very rapid disease that is spreading, way worse than COVID. And, and, you know, and, and I'll say that on that too. Actually, we'll get to that in a minute. But the nation is changing, and if we don't change, and we don't adapt, and we don't open our eyes, unintentionally, many of our children are going to be sucked into this, this wave unintentionally. Even though you're a good person, you're a good Christian, you're a good parent, if you don't adjust your strategy, because listen, you're not raising kids in the 1980s. You're not raising kids in the 1960s. You're raising kids in 2020, and let me tell you, this nation's never seen a time like this. And we, we are no longer in a society that is majority Christian, where the culture majority has Christian values. And so when they go to school, their teachers are going are gonna to spread that. And when they go to church, they're going to get it. And their friends and, and, their, and their friends' family and parents, they kind of have the same values. And we're all just kind of raising and pushing everybody in the right direction. No, that's not what's happening now. That's not, the, that's not the nation that we're in right now. And if we don't adjust, we're going to look up one day and our kids are going to be far from God. And they're going to have adopted the way of thinking of this world. And it's going to be very, very difficult to get that back. So you can't stick your head in the sand. And you have to make up your mind right now that you are in for the fight of your life. You're in for the fight of your life. And if you have teenagers, they may only have three or four years left in your, in your household. And listen, you need to, if anything, you need to clear your schedule for the next three years. And you need to make sure that you are fighting for those kids like their life depends on it because it does. If you needed more proof, this is where, this is Americans' views on morality. 77% of the nation say divorce is morally acceptable. Well, how can 77% of the nation say that divorce is morally acceptable when also about 75% of the nation say that they're Christian? How's that possible? How could you be saying something different than what God said and still call yourself a Christian? Well, you're not. That tells you right there, if you deny his word and you deny him, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're following, but it's not God. 71% of the nation believe premarital sex is okay. Why? Because we stopped talking about it in the church. So many people were doing it. So many people participating in it. So many people living together on and on. We just stopped saying it because it is so offensive. And so many people are, are doing it. Well, that's why it continued to grow and go up. 65% say that having a baby outside of wedlock is okay. Now, I'm not talking about if you, you did that and you go, oh, I knew that was wrong. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying... No, it's okay. It's morally acceptable. God's okay with it. I talk to people all the time that have made mistakes. That's not an issue. We've all made mistakes. This is not a holier than thou, oh, look, we're better than you. It's not that. It's saying, but at least I may have did what was wrong, but at least I knew it was wrong. I'm not sitting here trying to say it was right and morally acceptable. I know it was wrong, but I made a mistake. That's, that's different than saying, no, this is morally acceptable. 63% of the nation say gay and lesbian relationships are okay. 40% say that sex between teenagers is okay, which is, that's almost half the country. So again, 
I say to you, your culture is very, very wrong. And you're being influenced by that culture every day through every television series you watch, every Netflix series you watch, everything you see on social media, every post. You're being influenced by it. And you don't realize you're being influenced by it. And, and especially your children are being influenced by it because they're way more impressionable than you are. They are still forming their beliefs. They are forming what is acceptable, what is right. And they are in danger, if, if we're not doing this correctly... They are in danger of rejecting your set of values for another set of values that they're hearing on the internet or at school or from their friends. And that's where the disconnect happens. You go, well, well how, where did they get that? I mean, I thought like that. Well, again, if you go back 40 years ago, pre-internet, you know, pre you know, pre, pre the social media, these things, parents had a lot easier job because I'm the primary influence in your, in your life. I'm, I'm imparting my values to you. Well, today we live in a society where just about every teenager goes to their bed at night with a cell phone in their hand, and they can Google anything in the world that they want to, and you never know about it. And they can ask any question to almighty Google. They can ask any question. Is it wrong to be gay? Is it wrong to do this? And they're going to guess what kind of answer they're going to get there? I mean, I just talked to you about it. What do you think they're going to read on the Internet when they ask those kind of questions? And those, those, listen, a, a child, and this is sad, it shouldn't be this way, a child will get more information in a 30-second Google search. They'll hear more information imparted to them in 30 seconds than many of them have gotten in their entire life from their parents ever sitting down and having a face-to-face -face conversation with their kids about that same issue. Because we're plugged out, we're all over the place, we're busy. Many of us have never even sat down and had a face-to-face -face conversation with our kids about some of these issues that we're talking about. That's sad. They'll get more from Google than they ever got from us. This is why in our home, very rarely, I could probably count maybe two, two or three times in my, all of my children's whole life that I ever looked at them and said, because I said so. I don't say because I said so. If you say why, I'm going to tell you. Just remember, you asked for it. If you ask why, you're going to find out. And I'll sit down and we'll talk as long as we need to. You know why? Because I would way, way, I know the world we're living in. And I would way, way rather you understand my rationale and my values and give me a chance to impart that to you and get that into your little logic center so that when you encounter an alternative thing, you're going to remember everything I said. You're going to have dad's competing values going around in your brain. And I love it, man, I love it when I'm with my kids and they hear something on YouTube or they hear somebody say something and we're riding in the car home and they're like, you know, so-and-so said this, I don't think that's right. And here's why, and they start, I'm going, man, it sounds just like me, I love it. Beautiful. <laughs> and that's what we want. I mean, are you right? Do you believe in your values? Do you believe you know right from wrong? Do you believe you know truth? Then why not impart it to them? Why not drive it in them? Why not drill it in them? Why not build a foundation that's rock solid that can't be shaken? But just understand that the world's trying to do the same thing. And they're not even hiding it anymore. They're not even hiding it. A lot of the, the TV shows that are being produced for our children, the producers, the, the people that are creating, they're actually not even hiding. Those of us that were paying attention knew it was going on for a long time. But they're not even hiding it anymore. They tell them, yeah, we want them to think like this. We want to indoctrinate them on this issue. They're not even hiding it anymore. And so if you let that happen, you're going you're gonna to lose your child. Why is our nation going this way? Why is this 
happening. Well, let's look Romans chapter 1, verse 18. I'm going to read a long passage of Scripture to you, but it explains the whole thing, and you're going to understand. I think after we read this, you're going to see, man, I can really understand what's happening in our nation right now. Okay, this is Romans 8, uh, 1, 18. You're also going to see that there's nothing new under the sun because Paul's describing a very similar situation uh, where he was at. Romans 1, 18. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Listen, when somebody says that it's okay, it's good to be transgender, listen to me, you're suppressing, what you, you're suppressing the truth. You know the opposite is true, but you're suppressing that. And we've got to all pretend like it's normal and it's okay. That's called suppressing the truth. And listen what it said. God's wrath. So you don't like to think of God as wrathful. But the only reason that the wrath of God is not on our lives, is because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Actually, the Bible says that God's wrath is being stored up. It hasn't gone anywhere. It hasn't been eliminated. And you're going to see it poured out. If you just want to see it poured out, go look in the book of Revelation. That's what happens when God's wrath is poured out in full fury. Uh, Noah's Ark ain't got nothing on what's happening in the book of Revelation. At least Noah's Ark was quick. <laughs> you know, got some water, however long you can swim. I, <laughs> I don't know. I can't swim very long. But, but go look at the book of Revelation. Oh, no, it's, it's several years of wrath being poured out. This is what he says. God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That's what's happening. The truth is being suppressed in our nation right now. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Listen, God said anyone who doesn't believe in him is without excuse. That's what God said. I don't care what human logic said. Human logic said, oh, well, I couldn't see God. Or you reason yourself out of it and you talk yourself out of it. Well, here's how God sees it. He said there's no human being who's without excuse. All you have to do is look around. All you have to do is look at the creation. Look at the created order of things, the divine nature. All you got to do is look at your finger and watch it wiggle around and go, man, that's weird. I, I could just think, move, and it moves. That's pretty impressive. If you just take a moment to think and open your eyes, it's not hard to see that there's a God. So that's how God sees it too. It doesn't really matter how I see it. That's how God sees it, and that's who we're going to answer to. So when, when we stand before him and go, well, I didn't believe in you. I didn't think you were real. He said, you're without excuse. That means no excuse will suffice. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, and see, that's the issue. People think, oh, well, they, they, they don't believe in God. Yeah, but they purposefully don't believe in God. See, they, they purposefully want to stay in their sin. That's what John chapter 3 says when it talks about for God so loved the world. He said this is the judgment on their, on their life is that they saw the light but they loved the darkness more. People not believing in God is not an issue of logic. They can convince themselves that it's that. They can convince themselves that's why actually it's not. It's because they love the darkness more and if there really is a God that they have to answer to then they have to change their life and they don't want to do that. So for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. 
Instead, their thinking became nonsense. Everybody say nonsense. nonsense. Their thinking became nonsense and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. I hope you're seeing the nation in this. I hope you're seeing our nation in this. Their thinking became nonsense and their, sinless mind, their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. In other words, they started, they started uh, participating in idolatry. In other words, we're not going to worship God. We're going to worship this. We're going to worship something else, and you can fill in the blank. I know in our culture we don't worship idols and things like that, but everyone is worshiping something all of the time. If, you're, if, you, if, you, if you claim to be an atheist, you're, you're worshiping your own mind and your own logic. That's the supreme being in your life, is your own mind and your own logic, your, all, your own flawed mind. Their senseless minds were darkened. Verse 24, now notice, notice because I don't know where we're at in this in our nation, but we're in this process. Verse 24, therefore God delivered them over in the cravings of their hearts to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. Is that happening? Bodies being degraded through sexuality, bodies being degraded through surgeries, an unnatural thing, mutilated. Is that happening? Yes, happening. God delivered them over to the cravings of their hearts, to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served something created instead of the Creator. Verse 26. This is why God delivered them over to degrading passions. It would seem to me, at least some of our nation has been delivered over to degrading passions. For even their females exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The males in the same way also left natural relations with females and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Males committed shameless acts with males and received in their own person the appropriate penalty of their error. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a worthless mind to do what is morally wrong. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, wickedness. They are all full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Although they knew Although they know full well God's sentence that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. And that, again, I see that in our nation. Not only is it that we do this, we find others and we do parades and we champion them and we make them woman of the year and man of the year and we celebrate and we applaud anybody who's going the, the worse off the more degrading the the more perverse man we applaud it you are look how different you are look how bold you are to come out like that with that level of just awesomeness <laughs> and God's going yeah this so if you want to go that way Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just turn you over to it. And now there's going to be no restraint. And that's why you see those numbers changing. 1%, 3%, 4%, 10%, 20%. Why is it picking up steam? Because I think that we're in the middle of this process. 
I think we're in the middle of this process. And if you study history, you'll find out that we're not the first nation to go through this process. You can, you can find great empires that fell to their knees as a result of this process right here. A process where people rejected God and it led deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into sexual perversion and addiction until the family was destroyed and the whole nation was destroyed. And that is the path that our nation is on. Now, again, we're going to come to the solutions in a couple weeks for you. I don't have the solutions for the nation other than repent. I mean, I guess we do what John the Baptist did, stand on corners and just shout, repent. <laughs> repent. <laughs> I don't know if that would work or not. But for us, uh, there are solutions in the Bible for those that follow God because God's never going to let, God's never going to leave us or forsake us. He's never going to let those that follow him be swept up in the flood, so to speak. So look, let me, let me just say this to you, okay? If you are going to have a successful family in 2022, it will be because, part of the reason will be because you rejected almost every single idea that your culture has on the topic. Please, please, whatever you do, please don't go to Google and, and ask Google about something to do with your kids, about discipline or spanking or when should I talk to them about this or how should I talk to them about that. I talk to parents all the time that their ideology and what they believe lines up more with Google than it does the Bible. Don't go read some secular article. Is, is all of it bad? No, of course not. But you've got to understand that it's that kind of thinking that's led us into the place that we're at right now. Even on the topic of discipline, which we're going to get into in a, in a few weeks, a lot, many Christians have abandoned what the Bible said about disciplining kids. And they've accepted common psychology. They've accepted the world's view on it. And all they're finding out is that it doesn't work. Just go talk to any public school teacher. Just go talk to any public school teacher and find out what happened when they stopped paddling kids at school. It's a disaster. It's a nightmare. It doesn't work. And I'm sorry that, unfortunately, it takes decades to find out that God was right. But how many we could just agree in the beginning God's right? Do we got to abandon it and go our own way to find it out first? I mean, I'm not talking about that this morning, but I've talked to, I've had people in this church tell me, oh, well, we don't believe in corporal punishment. <laughs> it's not like you're about to give the kid a death penalty or something. Huh? Corporal punishment. <laughs> well, you've rejected what God said about it then. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. You've rejected what God said about it, and you will experience the consequences of it. And by the way, we all will experience the consequences of it too. You, some of you will get that in a minute. Okay. Listen, I Google things all the time. We all do. I look on the internet, of course. But everything is filtered through what the Word of God says. Every single bit of information that I take in is viewed and read and understood with a filter of God's Word. And so the less you know about the Word of God, the more porous your filter is. If you don't know the Word, how can it be your filter? If you don't read the Word, if you don't study the Word, if you don't come to church and hear the Word and listen to podcasts and get full of the Word, and then you live in the middle of a very deceptive uh, culture, 
how can you even have a filter that is effective at eliminating those lies from your value system and from your beliefs? So the stronger your commitment to the Word of God, the more word you know, the more word you're listening to, the stronger filter you have to identify lies when they come through these two ports on either side right here. One of the biggest problems that I see with Christian parents is that they don't seem to understand the battle that they are in until it's too late. And I don't want to be parenting uh, from a standpoint of regret. I don't want to be looking back going, if I'd known what I know now, I would have done this different. I would have changed this. If I could have saw in advance that they were going to go down this road, this path, man, I would have done this. I don't want to be living from a standpoint of regret. How many of you know that with God's help, we can make the changes on this end, and we can see our kids go down the right path and live the right way, and generational Christianity going from each generation, getting stronger with each generation. Yeah, that can happen. But, it's gonna, it, but it has to begin with rejecting the, the world system and the world's way of doing things. That means that as a parent in 2022 who's a Christian, the way, you, the way you do your family and the way you raise your kids ought to be radically different than the way the world does it. I don't care that the world, everybody's doing this. I don't care that every kid in the world has a cell phone. I don't care that every kid has a, a TV or a laptop in their room. I don't care that every kid is going to this school or that or wears these clothes or these shoes or has the mullet haircut or whatever. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter because I'm not following the world. Nothing wrong with mullet haircuts, by the way. That's great. No problem with it at all. It's totally, God probably loves it. I'm just, but... <laughs> What I'm saying is, why are we constantly looking to the world of people that are not following God and we just want everything they have and we got to be just like them and do? Look, I don't think we have that many teenagers in here because we have, they're over in the youth building, many of them. But listen, if you are a teenager and you're in here and you have a parent that is fighting you on some of these things, listen, you ought to be kissing their feet because they have the sense to see what you can't see. Because I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says that God disciplines those whom he loves. And he says if a, if a father does not discipline his son, he actually hates his son. In other words, it's sometimes it's actually more, it would just be easier to let you do what you want to do. And if I didn't love you, that's what I would do. Because that would just be a lot easier. But it takes somebody that loves God and loves their kids to fight for you. To fight for you and to see those things that you can't see. I didn't say they were perfect. Or any of us are perfect. But praise God, we have parents that are fighting for their kids and fighting for their family. I think another big problem with Christian parents is that we value the wrong things because we've gotten our value system from the world. And I'll give you one example. I think in many cases we overvalue education in the lives of our kids. What do I mean by that? Well, let me say this. As a pastor, first of all, I love education. I'm for education. I've been, I'm educated. I went to college. My kids are getting an education. I hope they go to college. Okay, I'm for education. But 
Let me just tell you, as a pastor, I meet, part of what I do is I meet with people on a regular basis whose lives in one form or another are in shambles, okay? Their marriages, their kids, uh, their character, it's in shambles. I've never one time had anybody sit in my office with their life in shambles, their crime, their marriages falling apart, their kids. I've never one time had anyone in 12 years of pastoring sit in my office and say everything would be different if I just got a better education. I never heard that once. I've never heard that. You know what the problem that I see over and over again? Sin problems. Selfishness. Deception. Addiction. Sin. Over and over and over again. Your child getting a good education, it is important. But listen, they can, I have people sit in my office on a regular basis. You know what I'm saying is true. You've experienced it in your own life. I have a sit in my office who have plenty of education. They have a phenomenal career. They played baseball, soccer, and t-ball growing up. They were in this club or that. They scored high on the SAT and on and on and on. And their life is still in shambles sitting in my office. Why? Because those things are not the answer. But we act like they're the answer when we're raising our kids. Oh, we want them in this club and we want them on this team. And we, they got to play t-ball and they got to play soccer. And they got to get a, a good education. And we got to have them in this program. We overvalue the wrong things. We overvalue the wrong things. And the only reason I'm saying this this morning is because I'm seeing a pattern. I'm seeing a pattern as somebody who is dealing with the collateral damage of this over and over and over, uh, over again. Okay, our church, we love youth. We love kids. We invest in them. But in our youth ministry and in our counseling session with families, I'm seeing this over and over and over again. Parents are valuing the wrong things. They are valuing things that are not going to make a hill of beans once they get out of high school. It's not going to matter whether they played baseball or soccer or t-ball or they were in this club or they scored this high on the ACT. That's not going to matter if they did not have a real genuine encounter with the love of God that changes their life. Praise God for all those things. I, I, I love them when first things are first. When the, but I see kids missing church, missing camp, missing things, sacrificing time with God, sacrificing Sunday so they can tra be in travel ball and these things and all over. And I, I, look, I don't have enough time in one sermon to cover everything, so I'm just going to have to trust that you know my heart on this. I'm not against any of those things. Okay, If you do travel ball, great. If, fine. That's for you and your family to decide. But listen, it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that they encounter Jesus Christ and that it transformed them from the inside out. And if that happens, they're going to have a good life. And they're going to have a good marriage. And they're going to raise a good family. And it's going to go on and on from generation to generation. But we overvalue the wrong things. We, we, value, we put too much value on the wrong things. And I see it over and over and over again. Another, another way I saw this was with COVID, I told you we were going to get to this eventually. I saw this with COVID, okay? Um, man, I learned so much during COVID. I, <clears throat> I know we all did, but just watching humans, <clears throat> watching people, okay, you know, 
Uh, this is not a sermon on COVID, so don't, I'm not like, about to get into this. But th- I just want you to observe and notice this one thing. <clears throat> I watched as parents masked up their kids. Okay, I'm not, and I'm not against that at all. I'm just observing this. And they, they put masks on their kids. And the whole school system, everything upended. Every, school stopped. Kids at home. Why? Because we have a crisis. We have an emergency. We have something that could kill them. And they, everybody got on board. Government got on board. Schools got on board. Parents got on board. Everybody got on board because we had this crisis. And man, you got parents with their kids slapping masks on them and hand sanitizing and bathing them in hand sanitizer. I mean, on and on. In three years, 2020, 2021, 2022, over the course of three years, do you know how many children 18 and under died of COVID in Louisiana? 21. In the course of three years, that's seven a year. Now, I don't think any, I want anybody to die. But just look at the response versus what actually happened. About seven kids under 18, is it just under 18? In Louis, and this is only Louisiana. About seven kids a year died from COVID. But look at the massive response coordinated effort, massive response. And I want you to think about yourself. And I want you to think about how you reacted. And then I want you to ask yourself, why did you react that way? Why did you, why did we put masks? Why did we pull kids out of school? Why did we do everything? Because some information came to our brain. No one ever saw COVID. No one ever saw it with their eyes. You can't see it. It's invisible. You can't see it with your eyes. Not just natural eye. Okay, we heard information from most of us from some TV commentators or on, so, on social network or maybe friend. We, we received information from someone else. And that information moved us so to the point that we began to, plus there's the whole herd thing. Everybody else was doing it. For what? For 21 kids under 18 that died in, in Louisiana. Again, I'm not commentating whether that's right or not, but this is what I want you to know. Do you know how many teenagers are addicted to drugs in Louisiana? Every teacher I talk to, every principal I talk to, drugs rampant in every school. This is just Louisiana. One statistic said that on any given month, there are 23,000 teenagers in Louisiana that are addicted to drugs. Now, do you think that that is going to change their future? Do you think that that's going to change their life? Oh, it's going to change their life forever because many of them will never get free of that. I know it because I encounter it here all the time. Where's the response to that? I just want you to think about this, okay? We can deal with big problems. We showed it during COVID. We can deal with big problems. Why? Because we don't, I, I'm telling you, we, don't, we, we value the wrong things. Oh, we got to protect them. We can't let them die. Listen, if they die and they have Jesus in their heart, they're going to heaven to be with God. Death is not the worst thing, actually. The worst thing is dying without God in your life. I'm not afraid of death, and any Christian should not be afraid of death. I'm actually going to a better place. It'd be a lot easier for me over there than it is here. I'm not afraid of death, but we value the wrong things. We'll, we'll, we'll move heaven and earth 
to protect kids from a virus that 21 of them died from in Louisiana. But what is being done about the drug problem among our teenagers? Because that's going to affect their life forever. That's going to change their life forever. <clears throat> Do you know how many teenage boys and girls are addicted to pornography? See, this is one that nobody wants to tackle. Nobody wants to tackle it because it's so rampant. It's about 93%. These, these statistics range, but 93% of teen boys and 63% of teen girls see online pornography before the age of 18, and the vast majority of those will go on to become addicted to it through repeated and regular use. Listen, that is changing and rehardwiring their brains. They will never be able to see another human being the same way again. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. They will never again be able to have normal... It will take years. And many people you talk to in their 60s, 70s, they have images, they have things in their brain that they still can't, can't get rid of. You cannot unsee certain things. You don't think that's affecting teenagers? What's being done about that? Absolutely nothing. By and large, it's being mostly ignored. Just kind of stick your head. I guess the strategy is just stick your head in the sand and pretend like it's not, not happening. Most teenagers are walking around with an X-rated theater in their pocket that goes with them every single place that they go, and who gave it to them? Their parents. And I know people don't like that because, well, everybody has a phone. I don't care. We value the wrong things. Are you saying they shouldn't have a phone? Well, maybe, <laughs> depending on how old they are. I'll tell you this. Many of them don't need to have a phone. It's like asking, should a kid have a firearm? Well, if they've been trained properly and their parents have showed them how to use it and they've proven that they can handle a firearm and not blow their head off or shoot somebody else in the knee, yeah, maybe. But I'm going to tell you that their phone is just as dangerous as a firearm because a firearm can only kill them, but I'm going to tell you that these things have the potential to keep them out of heaven. I'm just saying that to you. You need to understand that. We don't like to say that and think that, but I'm going to tell you that a person that goes down that path of sin is very hard to recover. And yet we just, we just pass it out like it's candy. But Jesus actually said that. He said, Matthew 10, 28, he said, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body. See, I'm going to apply that to like COVID. Don't, don't be afraid of something that can only kill your body. He said, that's not the main thing. What you need to be afraid of is that thing that can kill both your soul and your body. Because once you, if your soul is dead, now your eternity is dead. Your eternity is in jeopardy if he gets your soul also. So last thing. I want to read to you this morning. It is in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. This is the story of Noah. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land Man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I'm sorry that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. 
You know, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the whole earth. And when he looked across the earth at this time period, what he saw was so far from what he'd created. He said, I am sorry that I've made them. And I wonder when God looks at our nation and he sees the things that we've been talking about this morning, how he feels. Because here he said, I'm sorry that I've made them. But then he also saw something else. He saw Noah. And he saw Noah's family in the middle of all of that. And it says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. What I want to challenge you with and encourage you with as a Christian family in 2022 is I want you to establish yourself like the family of Noah. And I want you to view yourself as the family of Noah. You are living in and among tremendous sin and wickedness and darkness. But you can set yourself apart like the family of Noah. One of your biggest responsibilities as a, as a parent is to build an ark for your family. No, you don't have to go out there with a hammer and, you know, and put the ark together for 100 years like Noah did. But you have to put in tremendous amount of work to build an ark of safety for your family that can, that can, that can survive during the middle of this situation that we're in. Verse 11, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence, and God saw the earth. Behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Verse 17, For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. So what I want to encourage you with is if you are a Christian family that is going after God, I want you to be like Noah. I want you to see everything that's going around you, but realize I have to build an ark of safety for my family. No, I'm not going to, you know, go be like a monk and live in a monastery. Okay, I'm not going to, you know, totally isolate myself from the world. But I am going to fight for my kids on every front. And I'm going to realize that as I'm fighting, Satan is fighting. And the world is fighting. And the culture is fighting. So I've got to fight harder so that I win. I'm not going to lose this fight. I have to fight so that I win. And praise God for men like Noah that fought for their families. They built the ark and they preserved not only their family, but all the generations that came after them, which, by the way, would include us. Praise God they did what they needed to do. 